John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You're in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. My dear friend, thank you for joining us again as we share the word of God. This study comes to you from Calvary Baptist Church. Our aim is to teach and preach the word of God. And so we always encourage you, as much as possible, keep your Bible open. We've been studying from the book of 2 Timothy. We started last week looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2. So grab a Bible, take a notebook, call a friend, and after the prayer, we'll continue our exposition from last week on understanding the local church. Eight pictures of the church. Let us pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for continuing to work in our hearts and in the church. Thank you, our Lord Jesus Christ, for establishing the church that is part of your kingdom. Lord God Almighty, we are your servants as we preach and teach your word. Whatever you want to do in our hearts as a result of reading your word and sharing your word, feel free to do it. Bring us healing, correction, direction, miracles, signs, and wonders to confirm your word and bring souls to be born again in the kingdom or to be strengthened to serve you. I ask this in Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. If you've been with us for some time looking at the book of Timothy, we are now in 2 Timothy. It is generally believed that Paul wrote this to his spiritual son, Timothy, whilst he was in prison. But as for 2 Timothy, most scholars believe that it is the last letter of Paul. And after that, he was called to heaven. So sometime to come next week, we'll look at how he felt ready to answer the call of God. But in this letter to Timothy, he describes for him the church. The young man was too naive to know what church is about, was too scared about the controversies, the people, the nature of people in the church. He thought it was just going to be a cool place like cemetery. It wasn't like that. And there are many people who are starting churches left and right, and churches are dying left and right. There are people who are saying God has called them to ministry, and they are resigning left and right. There are people who are working so hard, nobody even appreciates the complexity of church and they don't understand them. They don't even understand themselves because they don't know church. I commend the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to you. For Timothy, Paul had said many, many things about church to him. But in the last one that we started, he gave him eight different pictures of what he needs to know to understand the complexity and the beauty of church. Not only for him as a preacher to know, but also for church members, you who are listening to me, to know the type of place you, you live in. You see, for instance, if you live in Ghana, and when, when you travel abroad, people ask you, oh, are you from Ghana? They say yes. Or where are you from? Say Ghana. Then they ask you, do you know my family member in Kenya? Sometimes you get surprised because they think all of Africa is one. And when you say Ghana, 
and they even mentioned Ghana. They said, oh, my friend is in Tamale. And you are at pains to speak to him and tell him that you don't even know where Tamale is. Or I say, speak your language to each other. Then you realize, oh, I am Ghana. And he's Ebe. We don't even have any language in common apart from the English language. And you see how complex these relationships are. Understand that God loves variety. And church is equally complex. The eight pictures, we began looking at it last week. We saw only three. Today we'll try and finish by God's grace. We saw that the church is the family of God. That is why Paul could call Timothy, my dear son in the Lord. Family born by the blood of Jesus, united by the Spirit of God, put together by the Holy Spirit. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God over us all, headed to heaven. One destination. So we ought to know. We ought to keep focused on this God. Apart from one family, he also wants us to understand that the church is a bank or can be compared to a treasury. A bank and a treasury has a strong room where they keep their money. Nobody can break it down. It is the inside of the inside of the bank. Vault, iron, concrete. And people guard it. Security people guard it. Even the vehicles that take money from place to place is guarded by police people. And in our country, the security people have been killed because those who were transporting the armored van, they saw that they didn't have the proper protection. And so they vandalized the van, stole the money, and killed the people. Can you imagine it? Paul said, the church is the vault. The church is the bank. The church is the treasury. And what are they guarding? They're guarding the word of God, the word of truth. And what is the truth? The truth is that Christ came, Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose again, and Christ is coming again. So this has been committed to you. It has been committed to him as Paul. And that is what he was peddling. He was trading it. First missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey. They beat him. They, they almost killed him. He got up again. They beat and killed all the disciples. They put the beat and said, judge for yourself. Should we obey God or obey you? This is the treasure they wanted the whole world to know. And everybody ought to know. And that's why you and I today are believers. That treasure. Are you treasuring the word of God? Or you are compromising, diluting it? Are you letting others know? So, so what has been committed to you, the treasure that has been committed to you, committed to other faithful people who also committed to other faithful people. What we have to pass on is not just land and houses and titles in our wills and bragging about it. God expects us to know that we have a treasure that we pass on. So teach, preach, declare it. The third picture of a church is that it's like an army, the armed forces. The armed forces have different parts and different roles that they play, but they defend the nation. They defend the truth. They don't compromise. Why are we described as an army? Because we are engaged in a war. The weapons of our warfare 
unlike the army, they are not carnal. They are strong to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, Satan is a liar from the beginning. He attacked Adam. He attacked Eve. And he continues to attack. Even Jesus, he did not leave him scot-free. In Matthew 4, he fought him. So you and I, who are believers, he will fight us. Sometimes he uses people around us. In the church, in that family, he will use somebody against you. But can you decide to look at the person? Not as the cause of the problem, but as being used by Satan. And forgive that person and deal with the spirit behind it. You see, Ananias and Sapphira, if you're a student of the Bible, they came, they had some money, and they came to lie to the apostle, Peter. That is the money we had. He said, why have you allowed Satan to lie to you? Why? Well, there are some people who allow Satan to lie to them because they enjoy it themselves. They wanted the title without telling the truth. And so what is the point? Because the church is engaged in a battle, you must know that there's a warfare and battle it out in the spirit, in prayer, in singing to the Lord, in praising him, in joining others to pray, in silent prayer, in corporate prayer, in loud prayer, in all forms of prayer. As he says, be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So, therefore, so it's simple. Paul is saying, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ. So I'm telling you, as far as the Bible is concerned, you are in the army. You are either a good soldier or you are a bad soldier. If I were you, I'll wake up. Say, Lord, help me. What does it take? What will it take to be a good soldier? And I will ask the Lord to help me to put on that whole armor and join others. Oh, there's a promotion in exam anywhere. People go and study how they can pass and be promoted. Are you willing to join others so that you'll be equipped how to be a good soldier for Christ? You can do that. Now, the next few that we'll look at is that the church is described as a team. It's also described as a garden or as a farm. It is described as an academy or a school. It is described as the suffering body of Christ on earth. It is described as a big house. So let's look at the rest as we try to complete this picture of what the church of God is like. The picture of the church of God. Understanding the church of God. Paul describes it as a garden. And the pastor or the leader as a husbandman as a father. Look at verses 6 and 7. He says, And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Hardworking farmer. The picture is that of an, a, a pastor or a leader. That a church is a garden and the seed is the word of God. Various servants plant the water, they harvest the seed, and they do whatever is necessary for the tree to grow. In fact, it is this picture of a garden that should help us to see that God has given us different, different types of gifts in the church. And people have different roles to play. Sometimes people are childish and they compare leaders and they complain about leaders. Some like some gifts and they don't like certain gifts. I try to do a little bit of gardening. You know, there are many, many things involved in a garden. Sometimes you need a hoe or a cutlass to cut the bush. You need a hoe to make a mount to plant something. 
Sometimes you need to use your, your hands to weed. Sometimes you need a weedy site. Sometimes you need an insecticide. Sometimes you need a fertilizer. Eventually you have it. So there are many things that go to make a successful garden or a successful flower bed or something, whatever you are doing. When it comes to the house of God, it's like that. It's like a big garden. So when the church in Corinth was divided about the gifts of the apostles, who played what part, whether it is Paul or Apollos or Jesus, or as we do today, whether it is prophets that are more important than pastors, whether it is pastors who are more important than evangelists, whether this and that. Look at what Paul said to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. Remember, we are talking about the church being God's garden. Paul said in verse 6, I planted, because he started the church. Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. We are God's building. Two more pictures there that I can add to this list, but uh, the eight is okay. So what is he saying here? <laughs> Paul planted. He's the one, the pioneer who planted the church. Apollos had a different gift. He came and he was watering. But who gave the growth ultimately? It is God. So he said, so neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything. Each one will receive his reward. Yes, God knows what you are doing in his garden. The important thing is the fruit. The characters who are playing their role are important because God has gifted them differently. So let's stop dividing them. Let's pray for them. Let's pray that we get a harvest, the harvest of souls, the harvest of fruits, the harvest that is important so that we can give glory to God. Timothy was not to be discouraged if the harvest failed to come immediately. It takes time, patience, and hard work to develop a fruitful garden. You see, if you are a farmer, plant, you don't harvest tomorrow. Even mushrooms, you don't harvest it overnight. So you sow seeds in some people. It takes years, you may not see anything. But keep sowing, keep watering, keep praying, keep expecting. God's garden, at the right time, you yield fruit. One thing we can't ask God, Lord, sometimes give me the right fruit so that I'll be encouraged. Yes, it's good you didn't plant a mango, but when you see a mango drop at your feet when you're just walking, oh, it's nice. And sometimes God blesses us with fruits like that, and we thank him for blessing us. Like the faithful farmer, the pastor should share in the blessings. God says, in due season we will reap if we do not faint. So God's promise here to the pastor or to the congregation, that those who are faithful, reward them, encourage them. I can tell you this without any compromise, that being a pastor, a church leader is a very difficult job. And I've read it somewhere and I do believe it, that there are many, many pastors or many church leaders who die from broken heart than swollen headedness. Because sometimes we are confused. You don't know how to please Kojo and then Ama and Akosia. You get criticized for all kinds of things. The garden, this tree is growing, this plant is not growing. What do you do? And so he says, 
encouragement to your leader, praying for them, it is important. Paul says, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Because some faint, some quit. I hear in places like America, the average pastor stays in the church for three to five years. Six years, fine. There are few who have stayed 40, 50 years, but that's the, that's the highest. Three, four, five years, say, I quit. I can't do this again because it gets to be confusing. How can the church be a family? How can the church be a building? How can the church be an armed force? How, what type of training do you have to be able to manage all of these things? Particularly the next one. <laughs> the church as Christ's suffering body on earth. The church as Christ's suffering body on earth. Verses 8 to 13. Look at what he says here. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preached. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ to those God has chosen. Wow. Yes, Paul. Because of the church, he's willing to suffer and to be in prison. What was his crime? He had not stolen anybody's sheep. He had not committed adultery or fornication. He, he, he did not lead any rebellion to overthrow the Roman Empire. Nothing. He's suffering because he's trading in the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the descendant of David. He's been raised from the dead. This is good news. Turn away from your idols. Because he preached that and people were turning away from their idols, they turned against him and said, this man... He's preaching another gospel. They beat him and they lied to him. He was imprisoned. The officers listened to him and they saw people visiting him. They thought they would bring money to bribe them. And because they refused to bribe them, they kept him in prison. Oh, what type of suffering we go through. There are people who are being killed because of their faith in some parts of the world because of their faith. They are suffering because of Christ. But this is what he says. It, if we died with him, we shall also reign with him. Our belief is that if we stay faithful to God, he will resurrect us. Nobody writes an application to suffer. But it must be at the back of our mind that you will suffer. And sometimes suffering for Christ does not even have to be political. It just has to be you, a child of God, learning to tell the truth. Who stole the money from the office? You saw it. Or as they shared the booty, you don't want any part of it. Or somebody says, come and sleep with me and I'll give you a job. He said, I won't do it. And he said, if you won't do it, I'll sack you. So, they sack you. A lady recently, her pastor was saying it, that this lady, they asked her, you're a very beautiful girl if you want promotion, come and see me. She said, come and see you for what? I've written the exam, I've passed. Say, if you won't come and see me, I give you three days. You should go home. She packed and went home, suffering for Christ because she wanted to keep herself pure. This is the suffering. Are you willing to go through it or you are willing to sacrifice? And you as a pastor, you as church members, when you hear something like this, are you able to support this person, stand by this person in their suffering 
or you also tend to ah, you stupid, you lazy, you can't compromise. After all, is this only physical? Did he have sex with your spirit? Because there are people who actually teach those things. The truth is that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we believe. And you teach it. And so because of that, you may suffer. Ask somebody who is suffering for the truth. But remember, that is because that is one of the pictures of the church. Churches have been bent and closed down. Because they are the light of the city, the light of the world, the light that judges. The army that fights kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light. So you suffer. But let us not be discouraged. Let us not give up. Another picture he gives is that the church is God's school. is God's academy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 14 to 18. Church, God takes us to school. And there we are supposed to learn. I like this saying. He said, look, friends, the good news is that Christ saves us the way you are. But the great news is that he does not leave us that way. He wants to train you. He wants to coach you. He wants you to become the best you can be. So the church is an academy. You enter there as a baby child. Then God gives you a gift. God gives you talent. God gives you people around you who are teaching you, who are training you, who are coaching you. And before you know what, that's what we call redemption and lift. You have learned so much that you are diligent at your work. Somebody is training you to be an accountant. Somebody is training you how to keep your books. Somebody is training you how to tell the truth. Somebody is training you how to dress properly. And all these things are helping you to become who God wants you to be. Just because you are in the body of Christ. It's a school. It's an academy. And some of the schools and academies in this world started from the church. Were started by the church. Teaching people how to read. A, B, C, D. How to write. One, two, three, four. How to sign their signatures. Not just the formal school, but the informal school as well. Timothy was being attacked by false teachers. And they continued to attack the church. But he is also being asked to rightly divide the word of truth. Teach yourself. Be educated. Get the degree. Be filled with the spirit. But know a lot so that you can also teach. You see? Because some people take us for granted that you are in ministry because you have failed. No! There are people who are doctors, lawyers, engineers in the house of God. They have learned. They are very well educated. But they are also illiterates who didn't go to any school. But it does not mean that they lack wisdom. God can use all of these people. And they are part of God's family. It's an academy. It's a school. And anyone who goes to God's school must begin to see growth and growth and growth and growth in their lives. Every church should be a Bible school where the word of God is taught accurately, where the word of God dwells in your heart. You may not know all about biology, sociology. You may not understand all about economics. You may not understand all of these things. But you must know that in the beginning, God created the world. You, may, you, you should know that he says, do not compromise the devil. You must know that Christ is coming again. You must understand that you are to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord because in him your labor is not in vain. You must know these things and stand by them. The academy of the word of God. What do you know? What are you being taught? Prophets, pastors, apostles, evangelists, teachers. Are we equipping our people to know and to grow in this academy? 
So these are the pictures he gives. Then he gives another picture. Yes, we are people who are being groomed, but we are also in God's house. We are people in God's school, but we are also in God's house. Or in this particular case, in God's palace. I like what he said about the palace, a big house. Sometimes I sit and I watch the queen and the kings and they enter into their palace and say, these are big, big, big houses. He's telling you that God's house is a big house. And in a big house, a lot of things happen there. Let me read verses 19 to 26. Then I'll come back and comment on him. 2 Timothy 2, 19 to 26. I hope you have your Bible. And let's read and see what is there. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master's use for every good work. Run away from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Once again, I say, don't get involved with ignorant, foolish arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. So he's telling him, you're in God's house. In God's house, there are things you must run away from. Run away from anything that deals with lust. Instead, run towards what? Righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So, in the church, there are people who are there. When you look in that big house, you find that there are some people who are there with their own agenda. I said, for those people, they stimulate youthful lust. They tell lies. They compromise. They are not growing. They are there to pull you down. Last week, last two, we talked about the caterpillars. They are the caterpillars. They are the destroyers. They are the gossip. They are the liars. In a big house, you are there. In the big house, you see cockroaches. You see rats. You see mosquitoes. You see all of these things. What are they doing in the house? Did anybody welcome them in? No, but they are there. Do they pay rent? No, but they are there. Are you able to destroy all of them? You cannot. They are even termites. So what do you do then? These are pests. Unfortunately, in the big house, there are some there like that also. Say, know them for who they are. Sometimes they are Satan's agent. That man, that woman has just come there to destroy, run away from them. But what are you to do? Be like gold, silver, or a precious cup. This is the cup that they use to honor people and serve them when you have guests. There are some other cups that they use, some other tools that they use to serve others. 
be a noble vessel that can be called upon to pray, to serve, to be an usher, to be something useful in the house of God. It's a big house. Don't be part of the backward things that nobody wants to see in a big house. But be part of what can be offered publicly to welcome people, to be used in decoration. That's how you receive the reward from God. So Timothy is being taught how to look at the congregation. But the congregation is also being taught how to look at themselves and each other. What a word that God who established the church knows the anatomy of the church. And those working in the church, those working in the church, those parading in the church are to know the family we belong to in the pictures. Let me ask you, where do you fit in? Can you pray? Lord, help me see a picture of myself. Let me fit into that picture. Let me be a fruitful and a useful servant, ready for your use any day. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I honor you for hearing me. This and every day, I belong to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Bay. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamine campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.